everyone. Uh, welcome again. This is No Bullshit Gaming Podcast, two and a half gamers, session number 10. Session number 10. We're discussing the latest news, fun stuff, and dropping some knowledge. Sometimes, you know, this can feel like a 4 a.m. conference discussion live. And that's, uh, that's how it is. Okay, so let's dive in and, and try to enjoy it. Hey, uh, welcome, guys. Welcome, Jakub, and welcome, Felix. Hello, Mate, and the Powerpuff Girls. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah of oh, wait, wait, wait. Are, Are you, you dialing in for Mobile Beach Conference, mate? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, oh, one second, you know. Uh, do I look like Jakub for now? I hope so. No. There you go. Okay, jokes aside. No, How is GDC going, Mate? Perfect. Yeah, a lot of, uh, of people actually reached out and uh, asked for uh, <laughs> for a meeting. Obviously, I'm at home, and uh, all my LinkedIn uh, fake news and <laughs> click <laughs> click bike posts <laughs> were pretty efficient. Oh, but you know, jokes aside. You know, there's a, there's rules against child labor, right? Well, that's what I heard. Uh, but uh, what I found out is that my daughter is way more popular than I am. So uh, from now on, I'm going to use her <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> if it works, use it, right? Yeah, exactly. If it works, no. But you know, like uh, I think she with the with the VR headset. It <laughs> was super funny. It was super funny. I think she joined it as well. But how's how's your week? Looking forward to to Istanbul, Felix. Oh, very much. Yes, it's going to be exciting yeah. next week. Yeah, yeah. That's why I brought these Powerpuff Girls up. You know, so you know what's uh, what's going to happen next week. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Do you want to do the agenda? Of course. So uh, we're going to talk about Netflix uh, boosts mobile games approach with uh, acquisition of uh, Boss Fight Entertainment. We're going to talk about Crafton signs long-term cooperation with uh, Solana Labs. In-game in-game app apps. I can't speak to them. I'm sure, what's going on? In-game ads are getting more misleading, sexist, and misogynistic. And uh, crypto investor Katie Horn raises 1.5 billion, the largest debut in uh, <laughs> in crypto female VC. and female VC. What the fuck? Mm. Nice. And then uh, we're going to talk about some pre-soft launch activities, uh, marketability tests, and uh, and more. So uh, yeah, let's dive in. Let's dive in. So let's uh, let's start with the Netflix because uh, Netflix is um, very very popular. A topic of uh, Mr. Jakub Remiar over here. <laughs> <laughs> we discussed yesterday how Netflix um, announced three more, uh, three new games that are coming to the platform, and uh, you know, <laughs> amazing discussion with Jakub. <laughs> Not amused, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah those so are from Pickpock, which is a mobile yeah, game developer, but those are games. not yeah, really you know, free-to-play games. Yeah, because they don't have uh, the monetization there. But yeah. yeah, back to the acquisition. So Netflix revealed uh, the, they acquired US-based free-to-play mobile developer Boss Fight Entertainment. I've never heard of this guy before. But they, these guys, uh, well, founded the company in 2013 and actually co-founded by three former Zynga employees. Oh, okay, Boss Dungeon was their their uh, their best-known game, which I know now. Uh, who, who are they? And uh, following the acquisition, the studio will continue to operate independently across three, loca three locations, Allen, Austin, and Seattle. So um, 
So more Equa hires for Netflix, so they are definitely taking this seriously. Yeah, this definitely sounds like Equa hire to me. Doesn't seem like well, I remember the boss, boss next, dungeon ne game. Next games was the same thing. Yeah, but those are it. Um, that that makes much more sense in a way that next games were at least really really familiar with working with IPs, which for Netflix is of course like the way to go here. But this is more of a, I guess, yeah, Equa hire that was on the market. I would say. Because I don't see any any other connection there. Well, look, share so they price, don't have the share price since the news is down almost two percent. I'm wondering if that's connected <laughs> to the news or is just a broader market trends. Well, well or somebody's say... listening to me on the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Mr. Jr. here is not definitely not the bigger fan of uh, of the, the this strategy. Netflix game. <laughs> Can you explain be... what you hate about it? It doesn't make sense. Like they are trying to recreate another Apple Arcade <laughs> fail or what? Like, tell tell me wh where where this is going. Like, do you really think that these kind of subpar mobile games gonna attract more customers to your Netflix app or retain them more when you're trying to compete with Disney Plus or Amazon? That, like, does this bring you the edge when the new Lord of the Rings series come out in September? I think that they are only a wordle hit away. Like, you need one hit. And then mm. all the troubles will be behind them. <laughs> but Why getting a hit in this market, I do agree. It's not like a direct science. But what they're trying to do now, I guess, is assembling a team that will improve their odds of getting a hit. But you know, this is a hits-driven business. I know, but this is this, this sounds to me like the same strategy that Amazon did. Just like throw more money and people at it, and somehow it will miraculously solve itself. Didn't happen. Didn't work. Same thing for Apple. Yeah, but Apple is slightly different, I think. As I didn't, you know, mentioned yesterday uh, with Netflix, and I know you're going to say uh, I, I try to find logic behind this, <laughs> where it's not obviously. But I think as soon as uh, you know, as as much as um, they they want to like um, start adding more games, this is going to be again like content heavy. So they need to start somewhere with these like. You know, shitty games. I'm sorry, guys. I respect <laughs> every game you you put there, but still, most probably not going to uh, play any of them. Still, you know, you need to start somewhere, and they they already announced it. They want to move forward, and this is all again like a sign of uh, them taking this seriously. They want to do it uh, do it right. But but honestly, like I don't even care about the quality of the games. Like the games <laughs> could be excellent, to be honest. But those are premium games. You don't retain with these. You retain with free-to-play mobile games. They have better retention than normal premium games. People play more Clash of Clans than they play Witcher 3. Why? Because the game is built like that to keep them in. And also they because Witcher 3 games. is a very poor game. I told you to do yes, uh, <laughs> a couple Remo, of times. You don't want to do. <laughs> Remo, do you think Netflix would earn more money or have a bigger multiple or a bigger market cap if they just focused on getting these people to make free-to-play games and just publishing it under Netflix? But even from the like the standpoint that you want to retain your customers in the app, like build a free-to-play game or I don't know, just tone down the monetization itself. But the mechanics need to be free to play because those are all built on retention. Retention is king there. Like there's no other metric that you need to do there first. Premium games and the games that they are currently building, they don't care about retention at all. And they're building it again as an Apple Arcade catalog. I don't I don't see the point here. Because they want to, you know, if uh, the premise here is if you 
already watched all the series, all the shows uh, there, then what you're going to do? Play games. Well, because, because imagine that, let's say, you're playing your favorite Netflix game and it's, it, it's being pumped up by content every month and you return to it. And, and, and there's still like content, 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 and you retain, 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 and you progress through it. You don't really spend money in it, but you play it because you only care about engagement. This could work, I think. But nobody but said that they won't do it. That's the thing. Nobody said that. But they're pumping out <laughs> premium games. Okay, but that's the you know that's the first stage. They hired like fifteen uh, like senior execs from the from the industry. Now they're buying studios. So, you know, like why do you think like this is the end game? So this is still, I'm not, st- not still saying the this is the end game. But why are then then like assigning these projects for premium games? Why then already don't work in this already? How do you know why they don't work in this? So why do you then lose time with working on these subpar um, premium games? Because you need to start somewhere. You need to launch content. You know mm-hmm. why? So no, what? No, no, those things don't work like you think. People that make premium games cannot just switch immediately to like, okay, we'll do this small premium monument belly, and then we'll do World of Warcraft in the meantime. <laughs> that doesn't work like that, man. <laughs> sure, that's why they they acquired like two free to play studios. Mm, eh? Okay, let's see, let's see, let's see. But still. <laughs> Bottom line is Netflix is market cap is today $169 billion. Like as a force to be reckoned with, that is a war chest and a half. If they need to pivot a couple of times and take five years, they can do it. Mm, if, if Disney Plus won't crash them in those five years. That's true. That's time. very true. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll give you that much. Uh, well, should we see. move every on? T- yeah, every time you, you, you say Netflix, Jakub is triggered. <laughs> <laughs> Every it's time a good I discussion. That, like, it's a good discussion. Perfect. The though. share price goes down. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All it. right, let me let me read the next one because uh, I'm actually quite thrilled about this one, and I think it's actually quite important, uh, especially since the fact that I have launched like lost about fifty percent on of my money I put into Solana. So, <laughs> and that news is, of course, that everyone's favorite gaming company of the like in the world. Get dare I say, but well, not really. Craft on. Uh, everyone knows them from uh, making PUBG. Yeah, uh, that, yesterday, that's company. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday announced they're signing a long-term business agreement with Solana, uh, Solana Labs to support the design and marketing of blockchain games and services. So Solana, of course, is a crypto company. Nice. Uh, I, I can currency, see sorry, my Sol- Solana. Um, you know. It's it's a protocol, Crypto isn't it? Assets uh, went a bit up. Yeah. <laughs> since, uh, I mean, I still bought yeah, in at 132, so you know, I'm still <laughs> down a fair bit of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So the reason I personally think this is quite important is kind of going back to what I said on last podcast about distribution, and like right now, there's a battle royale, like who will win or which will be the premium like cryptocurrency that will power most of these crypto games that are being made right now. Will it be Avalanche? Will it be Solana? Will it be Ethereum? But like well, Ethereum, a big, not so much. Yeah, exactly. But like, interesting thing is a big like blue chip gaming company like this signing with Solana is a huge stamp of approval. And at the end of the day, the chain that has the most projects on it, they will win. And that's why I think this is extremely important news. Probably actually one of the most important news we've seen in the crypto world for a couple of weeks. It's still a bet. You know. Yeah, 100%. Like, like, like the yeah, thing yeah. is that Solana can just go completely underwater, some new protocol takes over and you know, you're completely and out of it's going to happen for sure. It's going to happen yeah. for sure. But Solana now looks like uh, the best solution um, at the moment. 
wouldn't say so. Well, you know, let's see. Really, and like you say so. One Mr. crypto skeptic add to this news is that <laughs> let's talk about PUBG new state that Crafton did and that didn't really go very well. That I must say, which is their new PUBG game that didn't really. But it wasn't make uh, it. wasn't uh, published by Crafton. Was uh, some other. It, it is sitting on the Crafton account if I see it right yeah. here. Well, let me check because uh, <laughs> I'm definitely not sure. Yeah, but just saying that. I think they have problems growing somewhere now in a way that uh, okay. creating another instance okay. of PUBG won't help you. That That's the, like, you know, each subsequent candy crush will bring you less, which seems that immediately the second one didn't really fly well. So I'm guessing they're trying to grow into some kind of other direction here, but I still wouldn't be sure as like, yeah, Solana is the way that will, you know, be the next. I I still think we're in this kind of R&D phase that everybody is trying to figure out the most smoothest transition from user to get onto a chain wallet and like all the, the big friction that's currently in the market. And people are just kind of betting on these horses. And by the end of the year, probably 90% of those horses will die on the track. So we'll see. Actually, I have a, I have a follow-up question for, for the both of you. Actually, I actually looked up something. Since the start of the year, how many NFTs related to gaming do you think have been traded, like, average every day since the start of this year? Average. Uh, yeah, average a day, like, yeah. 10,000. Problem, problem is that people are whitewashing this a lot. Pretty much a lot of companies are having people that are there trading between themselves to increase the transaction volume. Okay, so but despite it that, it might be true, but, like, I believe in it, but, like, give me a number. Yeah, nobody cared about your answer. Give me the number. No bullshit. No bullshit podcast. Come on, dude. What do you want to hear? Like a bullshit number of like how much NFTs are traded currently? Take no, a guess. No bullshit. Yeah, take a guess. Mate said 10,000. Yeah. 10,000. That's a super small. Okay. Might be. 1,000 a day. Ah, ha, ha. There you go. 1,000 a day. Yeah. Super small. Hmm. Mm. It's okay. Still very niche, huh? Yep. Beginning. For the whole market. Yeah. For gaming. Thousand NFTs are being traded every day. Like mm, sold every day. Definitely more, I think. Well in gaming, so if only you gaming. Yeah, only I'm, gaming. I'm, I'm, gaming. Yeah. I'm talking gaming just but look look at the cats that's being traded on the Axie marketplace. Cats. <laughs> <laughs> All right, killing fact check me, me fact check me that. after the show. <laughs> Uh, killing me every time you say that. Uh, so one uh, one correction, it's, yeah, of course, the PUBG news that is Crafton. I was referring to PUBG Mobile, which is Tencent, obviously. So Yeah. And they, they are crushing the new state by by a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. We can move forward. We can stay with crypto, and then I will end it up with uh, the amazing uh, article which yeah. came out uh, recently. Okay. Um, so I can... I can take this one. Katie Hound, if I pronounce it correctly, then butcher it completely, raised 1.5 billion, uh, which is the largest debut, uh, like the debut fund ever by a female VC, and it's a crypto one, actually. Uh, if I understand correctly, she left before Anderson Horowitz, the famous uh, fund. And then uh, this is the largest initial fund ever raised by a solo female founding partner. And she's, of course, very excited to dip into the Web3 new era. Yeah. 
Well, looks like a lot of money. <laughs> she definitely needs to pro needs to prove a lot with this type this uh, <laughs> this race. <laughs> if I understand, there's not that much mention of gaming or something. It's more like a Web three kind of more generalistic approach to crypto. If I understand this correctly. Doesn't Web3 right now just mean gaming? Because that's usually what's at the forefront of these like new trendy things. Like it's usually always yeah. first gaming. Do you, do you remember yeah. what Nico? Do you remember what Nico exactly, said about yeah. Uh, yeah. Web3? Mm. It's yeah. more like, uh, you know, uh, the whole bubble of everything, basically technology, gaming and uh, NFTs and everything. I would say. But this is pretty, pretty big compared to like all the other <laughs> it's super investment. It's yeah. oh, one you plus know, one in crypto always equals a billion. Yeah. <laughs> without, without a doubt. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm just kind of kind of waiting like where the market will top then. Like with these, you know, all these investments and everything when, because we still don't have anything to show for as for like the, you know, you don't hear about companies making so much revenue or like having so much users and pretty much the results articles. We always just hear about the investment articles. So I'm still wondering when this kind of a Web3 bubble is going to pop. Did, you know, but did you hear about like a Griffin um, fund, then Makers fund, like raising like 750 makers, I think 500 or 600. Then, you know, like it's, uh, yeah, uh, Anderson Horowitz again, like 500 million. So it's like so much money out there at the moment. Mm. Crazy. That is loshing around. But yeah. it's, cha it's chasing so few opportunities, like, you know, there aren't there aren't that many good like crypto investment opportunities if you look more closely into it. Well, of course, but if you have like unlimited cash, what would, what would you do that? You will buy a ticket into into the lottery, as you always say. Yeah, of course. There's nothing else to do here. That's there you go. So that's that's why there is uh, you know that's the the best time to to start a gaming company. Should we which, which we discussed with our you know guest special guest and our like a new segment which is going to be live next week so uh, keep uh, keep your eyes and ears open and there is uh, yeah the the last uh, last news uh, yeah let's step down from Mount Olympus and talk about something a bit closer to all of us <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. So that in-game ads are getting more misleading, sexist, and, uh, and whatever else, like says the Mr. Maretsky. And that was a GDC um, opening session. So ads for Gardenscapes, Merge Mansion, Lily's Garden, their <laughs> contemporaries. All the, all the right culprits. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Man, like, like yeah. some of the ads I've had to ban, especially in Q4 this year, it was like, it's just ads like for like Lilith games and stuff. And some of it is like, oh, a man, a woman shows a man a pregnancy test and he like kicks her off a boat and rides into the sunset. Yeah, exactly. And it's <laughs> just like, it's, it's so sad because it gets a lot of clicks, I'm sure. Yeah. And it, I want to hear Mati's intake, like input on this. But the sad truth is that it's just a mirror of like darkest corners of humanity. Because basically what human wants is like a mirror yeah. And this is what humans want because that's what converts the best. Exactly. So this, like, uh, Mr. Maretsky was a, a gaming <laughs> consultant who worked in all the AAA companies like uh, Blizzard, King, uh, Disney, and EA, and whatever else. 
I mean, he called on ad regulators and platforms like Google, Apple, and Facebook to stamp out misleading ads. This will never happen. Never. Facebook said already multiple times they're already like doing something against this. Last year, until today, nothing happened. Because why? They are making money out of it and they will be. So it's never going to happen again. Google, same thing. Apple, same thing. And as Felix said, this is exactly what players want to see. You know, all these... uh, Controversial ads. Yeah. Controversial ads. That's what everybody wants to see. Same thing with the ants uh, that we discussed on like the third uh, session or the third podcast. Like, so hilarious. Something connected to the gameplay? Not at all. Nobody cares. <laughs> but you, Nobody you, cares. you make quite a lot of creatives, right, Mathieu? Like you're in yeah. your team, right? Yeah. Like, do you guys on purpose make some that are controversial on purpose? Yeah, I make controversial ads on purpose and hilarious and humorous um, on purpose as well. Trying to stay away from um, uh, producing fake ads completely, but try to do like a fake ad which is connected to the gameplay. Because, yeah, I know dream games do this really, really well. And why why you shouldn't try to, you know, maximize your marketing efforts and like uh, squeeze the efficiency here and there, even if you are, you know, producing slightly misleading ads Nobody slightly. do you do you have Slide, any, yeah like, okay some more some less do you have any metrics that you could share like roughly how much better it is like if you do a misleading ad let's say like is it 20 percent better ctr is it one percent better ctr like yeah. how much better is it the thing is like nobody cares about ctr you know if you don't buy uh you know um, anything in uh in uh, a grocery shop with CTR, <laughs> you care, okay, you care about you thing. care about yeah you care about uh, the ROAS afterwards. So this can decrease the CPI quite heavily, and um, this is something that I have uh, on my slides on the uh, in next week deconstructor um, uh, fun Istanbul event, which I am showing like three different ads from the same game and three different um, CPIs and then ROAS as well. And retention numbers because misleading ads have a lower retention but also lower CPI. But eventually, you know, if you just try to like um, acquire as many people as possible, many players as possible, then you don't care about the CPIs. You know, like afterwards, there will be some whales who will pay for the whole campaign, even though you know, like every everything else is trash. Yeah, and the whole backlash, of course. Yeah, and of course, I mean, you know, that's something that you need to, you know, need to work, get accustomed work to. Yeah, <laughs> as well. But you know, like the the problem with Facebook is like you have all the comments, shares, and everything under the creative, and even though even even if they hate you, it's still a positive sign for Facebook because it's amount of comments. Yeah, that, because that's getting into is... the auction fine-tuned towards polarizing content exactly. <laughs> the whistleblower story Ex- we heard exactly exactly so <laughs> nobody cares if it's hate or not if if they don't uh, you know x out of that creative it's still taking as a as a and positive feedback 
And the sad truth is as well, it's like, it's my ass as an ad bond person. It's usually us as the publisher of the ads. We get the crap for it. Yeah. Like not <laughs> like Facebook, uh, like Google or the people who are like advertising the games. Exactly. I've seen emails where people write long thing about how their daughter is seen like something misogynistic or something. And you just have to apologize. And then they think it's you. And it's like, that's not how it works. It's programmatic. But, you know, me as yeah, an ad bond person, I'm the one like who has to deal with it. It's um, stop it, Marche. Please. Well, yeah. come on. Well, I would stop, but uh, then uh, <laughs> I care about the, the performance and if uh, if it performs and, you know, obviously like there's very thin ice, but uh, I still try to be somewhere in the middle and not like being like too misleading, but also trying to show some at least something from the game actually. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's more of a, like I completely understand uh, Mr. Meretsky rant here. But it's more of a, you know, sign of times. Like times have changed so much, and nobody yeah. can do about it. Like if this is the thing that works in this environment, so what? You're gonna, you know, yeah. be completely destroyed by the competition. Like they won't care anyway. But so. you know, like this is exactly, exactly the the content you will see GDC, like crying a lot, uh, crying loud about how the market is really, you shifted. know, uh, go, yeah, shifted and going in the wrong direction. Of course, I mean, yeah. So what? So what because now? Because it's I mean, a free this is market. How it is at the it's moment. not regulated. Exactly. Yeah, point. you can do whatever you want, and then like uh, create whatever ads you want. If it works, it works. And you know, this is performance marketing. We care about data. We don't care about uh, some uh, cry baby over here at GDC. It's not going to change anything. I'm sorry, Mister. <laughs> yeah, this we is how it do is. It. With all due respect, it it's pretty much as how it's gonna be. Yeah, if they will actually ban it, and if they would actually ban it, I would guess some. They will lose so much money. Dude, yeah, but but, but uh, what I'm trying to say is that some kind of a new trick would be then discovered, and people would hop on the next bandwagon. That's gonna happen of anyway. Of course. Yeah, it's it's always. I mean. <laughs> So this Everything problem is, is not really game producers' problem. It's more like Facebook's and Google's like uh, revenue models basically encourage these types of ads. So the of course. root cause of the problem is not the game makers or Maché. It's actually yeah, <laughs> Google and <laughs> <Thank> Facebook. <you. laughs> <laughs> but but you know honestly, if you even want to kind of like you know you set up a policy that you won't do that, you're gonna be crushed by the competition and they're gonna take yeah. your market share. And then so what? You know, you kept your morals and ethics and everything, and you know, your creatives are all true, but you know, there's no revenue. Exactly, and that's like there is one um, one company from Finland which we are going to talk about in uh, in April. They said like they're not they're going to stay away from fake ads as much as they can. And then what what happened? Yeah, well, they closed one game because it wasn't performing that well. Yeah, I think we can we can move on, and uh, you know. Since I really love the Q&A uh, type of uh, our main topic, now we are going to talk about some pre-soft launch activities that uh, I think developers should do before they go to soft launch. And there are some questions they need to ask themselves. So what do they do actually before even going to the development? So now I'm going to ask... Before creating the game. Before <laughs> creating course but you know like before still because uh, sometimes what happens is uh, as you said um, two sessions ago like okay so this is uh, the game we are going to clone it and uh, we are going to make uh, <laughs> at, at least, least one third of the money of they are there. making yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah that's not how it works 
that's not how it works. So, so what can we do actually pre-soft launch, uh, guys? Any any ideas? Um, so pre- just to make straight, it's like straight here, you finish the game, it's ready for soft launch, but before you actually put it on the market to test stuff, what should you do? I think we're still talking yeah. about what we do yeah, yeah. even before start of production. Yeah. Yeah, even before start of production. Very so sure. there's no code Good, done uh, yet. I'm assuming yeah, yeah. if you're if you know what you're doing, what you do is you make a bunch of fake ads for your different games that you want to think about what you want to make and the themes, and then you start sending ads to like a landing page and see which one converts the best. Because mm-hmm. then you don't have to build stuff, right? It's like testing. Yeah, you I'm want assuming. to kind of screen your audiences first. Like, what's the attractiveness of your concept? Yeah, but that's you know, like that's. Uh jumping through multiple steps already okay yeah even even some some other things you can you can you can do you know so you want to do a new game so you sit down with your uh, producers team and every everything everybody is like okay so now what so what you should do before uh, everything starts uh, you know do the homework so you know market research Try to ask yourself, like, okay, so who is the target audience of the game? Who are we making the game for? What is our unique selling proposition? So you don't like create another clone of Clash of Clans or Clash Royale or whatever else, uh, Archero clone. Well, there's a million of them already. Uh, what kind of genre you are going to make the game? You know, if this aligns with the company strategy, if you are you are trying to stay within the same genre and have the the genre mastery, or what's uh, the situation what kind of in the current genre? Well, that's that's the important. Yeah, part. and that as well. That as well. Like, what is the monetization strategy? Are going to work more towards the in-app purchases or in-app ads, or you know, both 50-50? And the most important part, like what is the, the marketing team capabilities? Are they able to scale this type of game? Do they have experience with uh, this game? For example, this game genre. These very, very important things because you, know, you will make a Forex game and then you find find out, well, obviously you, you already knew that, but your, <laughs> uh, your team had only experience with uh, running UA for casual game. And then what? So it's gonna be very, very challenging for them if they if they don't have any experiences with the different genres rather than just uh, with some casual game. So these are like some some of the questions. Jakub, is there anything that I actually missed that you would uh, you would think about? I would say it always is great if you have people that have done already a game from the same genre that you did already. So you have some kind of genre mastery or at least you have a person on your team that's been in the genre before. Because if you are just going into like a new genre blindly, it usually never works out. And and as I as I've seen on the market, most successful games are usually the ones that are not inventing something out of nothing. Like even if you if we take that Clash of Clans thing, the example that you did there, mm. actually what Supercell did was they improved Backyard Monsters, which was a kick-sai game that's pretty much was designed for them, and they were just able to do it properly on mobile and improve upon it. So that that's what happened here. And there's numerous examples of these that you don't really create like the wheel out of nothing. You, you just you know do something really, really good and really, really sophisticated. Let's say a golf clash example where you would take mm-hmm. 
the shard gacha system from Clash Royale and apply it to a different core gameplay and completely different audience. So you don't compete with Clash Royale at all, but you pretty much borrow their expertise or let's say their progression system or, or something similar, like the, of course, the example we always use, the Dream Games one. They're scaling, mm. you know, they're going pretty big, but why? Because they have a lot of team members of the original Peak Games team and they exactly know what to do. Yeah. Yeah, well, of course. Uh, <laughs> But there's still, what if you are trying to experiment with the new genre? I mean, you can't just have uh, people f experienced enough that are, you know, able to help you with the different genres. But it, it, it's a chance. It's a chance factor, pretty much. Like, you always yeah. need to work under the... Ticket? Yeah, it's a lottery <laughs> ticket. Always. Always a new free-to-play game, especially, is a lottery ticket. You just increase your chances. Even if you have a super, super senior team in the same genre, you can still fail spectacularly. Like... I, I don't I don't I don't see a problem with that. Like, so how much is how much is skill and how much is like looking at the data and how much is just like art like an artist person is just good or is it just mm, luck? Art I, I wouldn't put art into good. Art is usually tested by data, so that is pretty much out of the question. It's more of a if you know the current pain points of the genre and you can improve upon them. So like let me give an example. If you remember how Warner Bros. want to do Harry Potter Go, the Pokemon clone, mm -hmm. like it was pretty much like out of the question in a way that the gameplay didn't match the experience at all. Like Harry Potter is not yeah, Pokemon. Yeah, because it didn't make sense. Yeah, and and it 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 was more of a like, I guess it started from this mismatch. But even though they have the infrastructure from Niantic and like all all the things you know all the stars aligned, really really heavy big IP, it still didn't make sense. But it's, it's, I would say that they had a problem with some kind of product person said, like, it won't be a problem. People will still play it like yeah, Pokemon. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. do it. Mm. <laughs> so, so I would say it's pretty much being familiar with the genre and familiar with also players' expectations because somebody somewhere there definitely said that, like, do you really think that Harry Potter people will play this like Pokemon? And, 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 and the guy said, like, it doesn't matter probably or something like that happened. Yeah, we will slap the IP on the top of the, the geolocation uh, game, and that's that's gonna work. Yeah, it because, didn't you know, work it, out. It works for Pokemon. It for it needs to. It will work for us as well. Yeah. I cannot. I cannot <laughs> even imagine the amount of nope. money that was you know drained down the down the line there. It was just one cell in the Excel sheet. Yeah. <laughs> and now you know nobody cares. Nobody cares anymore. But you, yeah, you could uh, if if you had a small company, then um, you would think uh, twice about yeah. uh, making this type of game but then in the in these big corporations it you know they always try to say we do all these hom homeworks before and market research and everything but then eventually you know all the small companies that you know don't have that much money on their bank account they do it properly because you know if they won't do it then they will be out of the business very soon bigger companies is like yeah well, okay, they so can, it didn't they can, uh, work out. They can afford to fail, pretty much, the big companies. Because yeah, if yeah, the game fails, you know, you still put the team in some other different project yeah. or, you know, recycle yeah. the capabilities, no problem there. But if it's your startup or, like, you know, this is that one shot that you have, that's it. That's one shot, period. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, and then question is, like, how do you how do, you do the market research? What kind of tools uh, you are using and what do you have in mind? that you can use, but potentially that it's free out there or any paid tools as well. Man, this is so, so out of my wheelhouse. Like I have no thinking. idea. Like, <laughs> Oh, really? 
I would start probably with even free versions of AppAnySense or Tower or all these like you data analytics. Data.ai? Yeah, data AI, sorry. <laughs> uh, even free yeah. versions are pretty okay where I, I remember that you see the grossing charts lines there, even if you have a free mm -hmm. account, so you can still kind of validate some of the arguments that like these games are going up or they're going down. At least you see the trend. You don't see the numbers, but you see the trend, so that's mm -hmm. good. Uh, one of the things I always like to use that's kind of, you would say trivial, but it's basic Google algorithm. Like if you go into Google uh, Play Store and you Google your competitor, and then you see the recommended games, that can give yep. you already a really, really big uh, direction in the right way. I, I use that the, when I'm looking at the competitor ads, basically uh, when I'm trying to do the brainstorming, and always um, look at the historical data, but also on the competitor side. And this is how I go. Uh, about the the competition like go to the google store and then see the recommended games and then you can see everybody basically yeah that's really so, good. so that that's one of the other things and then uh then comes the really really hard part where you actually need to play those games and see which ones are actually your <laughs> direct competition because some games you know they change the core gameplay they change the main progression formula they aren't really your cup of tea even though they're in the same category you just mm -hmm. need to go through all of them you can you know cut this time down a lot by just going through the gameplay videos on on youtube like pretty much every single game out there has this kind of a, like first 20 minutes tutorial video that somebody yeah. did that there's a lot of those so you can skip the installing and everything and just go through there and then you will at some point you will start seeing a pattern and then you follow that pattern and try to look for it in different games and then see how they solve different problems in your game design you know genre feature set that you can apply or use in your current problem yeah so everything can be found on youtube also our podcast as well so definitely <laughs> subscribe <laughs> <laughs> smash Definitely the like button <laughs> exactly yeah. smash it the like button subscribe and, uh, and that's uh, it's gonna do the trick and you will see the the power puff girls as well but yeah but this is the, this is the hardest part like you actually need to play those games and understand their mechanics and systems there's no way around it yeah well it's uh that's uh takes a long time but uh, yeah. it needs to be done if you want to do it properly that's uh, you know that's something that you need to do because so, you need yeah, to you mentioned you, you you need to find the small bits that are pretty much hidden there that some of these games have, let's say, done really, really well, or some of these games didn't really went well, and you need to discover why so you don't repeat the same mistakes. These are the, so, this is the hard part of the homework. So if I crystallize it down, the first thing is you get like a subscription to Data AI, look at the like trends, take 10 of the games from that's like in like circulating that trend and then play them crazily like amounts and then take the things from those games and then take what you like and you think what you think would work together and then kind of mishmash it together and that should be your game uh no no Th that that's like a recipe for goulash <laughs> <laughs> it, it won't work like that like amazing. let's take every good bit from every game and then we'll have this amazing game now you're gonna end up with goulash and it's you know you like not gonna game, taste game, well game goulash <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's, that sounds good. Oh, you need to have your vision, and you need to be—you know—you need to keep the direction on the right track. You know what you're doing, and you need to have some kind of product market fit in your head before this kind of happens. Yeah, and you know, just take the inspiration from the those games. You don't because you cannot. From, from you cannot game. end up in this like you know junior loop of. I'm adding features to my game based on what I have played in last two weeks. That's the worst. 
Like that's actually the worst because it means that you didn't do your homework properly because you are you were supposed to see those things before, not each next two weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, <laughs> very true, very true. The most important part, I think, then, uh, is defining the target audience because um, there's a lot of uh, gaming companies that still, you know. They create a game and then ask the, the marketing uh, managers or UA managers, like, okay, so, you know, run the campaigns and find me the audience that liked the game. Uh, seriously, like, how? I, I, I know even better. Like, everybody's our audience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, everybody's <laughs> going to play the game. Seriously. <laughs> and this is so wrong on so many levels. And how, like, how do you, uh, like, add features in the game when you don't know who are you building the game for? Because it's, that's the goulash you are talking about, right? <laughs> <laughs> but there are, again, some some mistakes that I think yeah, you can see. Like everybody's talking about, you know, motivations, personas, and uh, whatever else. I mean, yes, yeah. it's super useful, but still, if you focus on, on like one persona and it's, uh, it's going to be... Yeah, there's going to be that... That, that great Venn diagrams that, yeah, you, yeah. that you draw and then you just have the small middle part. Yeah. <laughs> That's your audience. The super, super small niche. Yeah, super, super small niche. Exactly. And then, and even even if, if you see that, we are still approaching or like uh, progressing with the, with the game development. Yeah, well, there is a high chance that it's not going to succeed because the, mm. the target audience is really small. You need to think about like opening up a little bit. Yeah, that, that's the biggest problem with the whole lottery ticket thing, that you don't know what's your lottery ticket worth until you hit day one retention, which will take you like six, seven, eight months until you hit that mark, and that's it. And you but could then, be running all the wrong directions until then. Yeah, but then, you know, like you have the playtesting, so um, as soon as you have the, the playable uh, or MVP of the game, then you start doing the playtests, right? And then is this something, you know, that helps you, uh, Jakub, to you know, go of course, in it helps you to directions. Like, it helps you to mainly fine tune the FTUE experience, the tutorial, and everything. Uh, always, you know, these days things like playtest cloud are really, really easy to use. You can even sort players based on your like genre. So, actually, it's it's better to get you know scolded on and p people pretty much hating your game because they've seen the genre. And those are actually the really valuable feedbacks yep. rather than like new ones. But this won't still be the main indicator of your retention and especially long-term retention. It, it's more of a like, you can fine-tune that 15, 20 minutes of experience and after that you're kind of blind. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say because uh, usually, you know, like you can see a very good stars in this like playtest cloud and then you you run the campaigns and the first retention is like 20%. It's like, oh, wow. What? But the playtest cloud, guys, they say like it's, it's absolutely amazing game. Why is it not working? Well... <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely amazing for 15 minutes and then exactly, it gets boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, it's this is very similar to to when someone is just uh, looking at one KPI and then not like a series of KPIs because it's like, okay, so I, I have really good CPI. It's like 15 cents. Okay, so I, but so what? what? I mean, what is the retention? What is the ROAS? Like, there are multiple other questions that you you know you can uh, you can ask, and then, okay, well, the fifteen cent CPI is good, but then the retention is ten percent. Oh, okay, okay, you are right. Then it doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, of course, but you can't just look at the one one thing. Same thing with the playtest cloud. Okay, 
and then there is the there's the the UA marketing um, activities that uh, Felix mentioned already in the beginning, so the marketability tests, and this can go wrong again on so many levels, because if um, in my opinion, I mean this can really save you a lot of uh, a lot of time in the development, but also can be very tricky, because if you are looking at the wrong data and you don't have the experience with running the marketability test, then you know. It's the same thing that we, that you mentioned, uh, Jakub, when uh, you are working with junior. Then uh, you know, uh, junior is looking three steps ahead. Senior is looking ten steps ahead. Here, if junior is running the co the marketability tests and he, he or she has no experiences with that, it can be very dangerous for the whole company because uh, you are you can be looking at the very wrong data, and you need to keep in mind that these marketability tests are very far from the, the business as usual campaign. So, you know, even though Geek Lab and uh, um, shout out to Jesse, uh, the founder of Geek Lab, you can run the campaigns which are simulating the CPI campaigns, but they are not exactly the CPI campaigns. So even though you can calculate the CPI from these campaigns, it's still landing page view optimized for conversion. So you will see lower CPMs, rather than just uh, looking at the CPI campaigns. Lower CPI, even though it's calculated, be careful, very careful. And then CTR is going to be absolutely amazing, 3%, 5%, 10%, because it's a landing page, landing page view, it's not optimized for mobile app installs, or even for purchases, or even for value. So it's going to be very different. So using marketability tests as a directional thing Guidance. for your game, that's very good. If you just base guidance, yeah, just, yeah, directional guidance. If you base your, uh, you know, all the decisions just uh, based on the data you see, yeah, it can go very wrong. But, you know, it's still a very good tool. Should you, <laughs> to should you skip this step then? Because you sound very negative. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> you, no, it's, you know, like, I, I just you wanna... need, you know, No, no, you need to do this step, but then it means you cannot just take it for granted. Yeah, and like, because, you know. Okay. Because then we're saved, you know, whatever we do doesn't matter. We have like super good CPIs and the exactly. metrics will be. You will see of. really low CPIs with this test. And first, again, like I said, it's calculated from conversion. It can be similar, but it's still not the same thing. Then you run the CPI, the actual CPI campaigns after you uh, you, you produce the game and then see, oh, but why we, do, we see like three times higher CPIs than what we saw in the marketability test? Oh, well, hello, of course, because uh, it's a very different optimization. Oh, but the CTRs are lower as well. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, who would say that? No shit, Sherlock. And is this it always is within a band of percentages? So you can kind of factor it in when you do like your calculations and look at the data. So you like, you know, to decrease like CTR by X percent or. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I compared these type of results when I ran the, the marketability tests um, some time ago and the CPIs I got from the marketability tests were two or 2.5 times actually lower than the real ones. So everything that you know you see in the marketability test, then multiply by three, the CPI, and then- <laughs> and you're good to go. <laughs> and you're good to go. For the, uh, that's only for CPI campaign. Not, only, not even talking about purchase campaigns or any app event optimized campaigns, it's gonna be way different, way different. But still, you are trying to get as much data as possible as early as possible and this is going to be very helpful but you know it can go wrong when you don't have the right person to do it 
uh, we're back at the you know lottery ticket theory. What are we doing? We are just increasing the chances. There's no guarantee. There's yeah. no guarantee at all along this all whole way, ever. Yeah. And there's never gonna be. Yeah, but the, the nice thing about this is, uh, you know, you can use Facebook. And now Iron Source even uh, like a couple of days ago announced the marketability test tool, which is nice. You need to take uh, take a look at that. You're using the Fakester pages, which is, you know, use, using the exactly um, Apple or Google Play looking at a st store page, which is fake. Everybody that, that click um, clicks on the download button, they will get the pop-up. This game is not av available yet. Please leave us uh, an email, and uh, we will uh, hit you up when it's uh, when it's live. Or you can you can actually use um, a player survey at the end, so you know you can ask questions. So, what questions to ask, Mister Game Designer over here? <laughs> yeah, I would say I would say it's mainly based on the expectations of the of the players that you're talking about, and you want to make sure that the things that you are talking about and then like pretty much confirm your, uh, or validate your points that you are running through. So I would say definitely try to ask about the product fit. And Give like, me an example, Mr. Mr. Game Designer. Let's say, what would you expect to see in this game? Mm -hmm. Or pretty much like some kind of, it's always best to you know, do nice open questions rather than suggestive ones. Yeah. Don't do suggestive questions, of course. You just <laughs> can skew, skew your results. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and then uh, maybe even try to look a little bit more into the audience themselves. Like, do you play mobile games? Do you have purchased anything uh, at all in the mobile game before? Like, you know, some kind of a screening on the audience. So descriptive questions this way, I would say. Yeah, I mean, this can help. Um, there are still it, it, it's again, it's a guidance, nothing yeah, else. Yeah, 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 exactly. That it's a guidance. So you know, some some companies take these marketing uh, marketability tests like this is this is exactly what we are expecting. This is how it's going to be. Nope, it's not going to happen, <laughs> and that's that's what's dangerous. Because then you can hear a lot of um, of people discussing. Oh well, we are doing marketability tests. So it's perfect. Everybody should do that. And then when they uh, see the first data, they are very disappointed because it's it's something else than they they expected. But you know you can test whatever you like characters, visual themes, the setting, and whatever. And then you can you know you can actually end up with uh, the the highest chance of success when testing like multiple things. Yeah, that's but still again, highest chance no guarantee. of success. There's yeah, no guarantee yeah. exactly. There's no guarantee. So, yeah, I know I, I sound very negative, but. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, yeah I, I was just going like to say, you sound like Remo. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my, po my post. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I really like to do this, but it needs to be done properly. And it's, again, directional guidance, not something that you need to take uh, very seriously. Because usually when, when company companies try to do this, they use only, like, one idea. No. You should you should think about like three different ideas, and then this will tell you like which way to go. So you will test three different visual designs, cartoon, realistic, or whatever else doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You will see that the, with your target audience, the cartoon works the best. Okay, so now, okay, what kind of characters should I use? Female, male, long hair, short hair, whatever. Then or we no can, characters you, at all. <laughs> or no characters at all. Yeah, exactly. Then you will see which way to go again. And then this, you know, trying to narrow it down afterwards. It's always an iterative process, pretty much. And, you know, you try to be as fast as possible. That That's like one of the good qualities that you need to hit 
is that the frequency of these iterative updates needs to go up or at least be very, very frequent. That's the that's the whole thing. Like pretty much back to the lottery ticket theory, it's more about like how many shots you can make rather than, you know, to aim precisely. Well, so it's pretty much like hyper casual. This is what they're ex exceptionally good at compared to like casual to hardcore hyper studios. casual is this lottery ticket theory on steroids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because it's it's way easier to do marketability tests with hyper casual game when you create a video easily, easily because you just show the game mechanics in the video and that's it. That's the whole game. When you are, you know, compared to strategy game or casual game, it takes time to create the video, so you might just use static images only to save time and resources, which again can be, you know, slightly far from the the reality afterwards. But at least again, it shows you the the way way to go. Yeah, but with hyper casual creative is the actual gameplay itself. There's no, you know, there's usually not a difference. Like you don't run fake ads for hyper casual. So you run the actual gameplay video. That is the creative, and just by, I remember like people saying from hyper-casual genre that just by changing the visuals of that creative, they were able to tone down the CPI to a manageable level and then they were able to scale the game. That's it. That, that's how it works, even though the mechanic was pretty much the same. Yeah. Well, you sound, you look a bit confused. confused <laughs> or scared, Felix. I would say. Or scared, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Felix. <laughs> She's so like... like Admon, I'm the cherry on top. You know, like that's what I deliver. <laughs> Sometimes a cherry can grow to an apple, but like I, I don't have a dog in this game. Like, yeah, yeah you, okay. you never get. I've heard about it, but there. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, in that case, I think that's it, right? Yeah. No, it was uh, it was pretty fun again. Yeah. Good luck with your soft lunches. Hope they will <laughs> do well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll More see you story. in the Get a job in Admon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, it, uh, okay, that was a really nice ending. Thank you, thank you very much, guys. Uh, until see you next, next week. time. <laughs> see ya, bye. Very exciting. Very exciting. I can't wait. Okay, so I need to add this one, uh, one last news to the agenda because that's what we do now. All right. 4 a.m. Con <laughs> Again, conversion. Why the fuck am I saying always conversion? <laughs> <laughs>